0: You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. If you turn with me in your Bibles, we're going to start just quickly um, by looking at a couple of verses, two verses that we looked at last week. Um, it's funny how how God kind of ties the messages in with each other, when I feel like he's speaking to me, I'm still kind of chewing on last week, and then it ends up becoming a whole different thing for this week. So when I, when I tell you the scripture, don't think, hey, well, we turned there last week, and then tune me out, because we're look, it's something completely different, okay? But if you're turning with me, we're going to start in Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. <clears throat> but today, I want to talk to you about something that I think we all deal with, every one of us. Men, women, boys, girls, old, young, every one of us deals with this on some level or another, and it'll keep you from running your race. You know, you have a race, and we see it all, Uh, Paul talks about it a lot, but we have a race, and your race is different than my race, but this thing that we're going to talk about today, it'll keep you from running your race. It'll keep you from putting on the right jacket if you've heard the last few messages it'll It'll stop you from having on that good jacket um I'm friends with this guy named Jim and uh he's a large fellow and uh he went and got himself a membership at a gym. Jim got a membership at the gym different spelling there, but uh he went and he said, I don't even know what to do, so I'm going to take one of their classes. So he goes up and asks him, hey, i would sign up for your class. Uh, it says to be here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Okay, is there anything I need to know, anything I need to bring, whatever? They said, yeah, just bring a water bottle and wear some loose-fitting clothes. He said, what? If I had any loose-fitting clothes, I wouldn't be here taking a class. Know that people are different than you. Your reasons for doing something might be different than my reasons for doing something. So, what are you trying to say? Do you, boo-boo. You run your race. You stay in your lane. The thing that we're talking about today, it'll keep you from living the life that God has for you. It's comparison. It's comparing yourself to somebody else. And you know what? When comparison grows up and it's a full-grown adult, you know what it is—jealousy. You compare yourself to other people and other things, and what I can compare myself to other preachers and other pastors, and I get I get compared to other people, or compared to my dad, or compared. Comparison—if we let it—it'll keep us from running our race. It'll turn into jealousy. It, it can be a bad thing. The fastest way to kill something special is to start comparing it to something else. It's the quickest way. You can, you can have something so special. Oh, man, I love my new car. It's so awesome. And then i start comparing it to somebody else's new car. And, well, theirs has a little better gas mileage. And, oh, well, there, oh you got a Lamborghini? Oh, well, now my focus doesn't seem so special. Like, the, that's the quickest way to kill something special is start comparing it to something else. When I thought we had been working on our marriage and I thought it was getting better, but then I looked at the glorious blessing of Pastor Dusty and First Lady Jessie's marriage. It's so wonderful. It's going to kill your marriage. Don't do it. You know why? You can't have as good of a marriage as me because he ain't me. And you're not her. And it's not supposed to look like ours. And so you can have yours and win in your marriage, and it can be great and perfect for you. But once you start comparing it to somebody else's marriage and how theirs looks, and theirs looks better than mine because he's been, and you kill yours. Kill what God gave you. Not because mine's better or because yours is better. Mine's better if I'm running my race and doing what I need to do for mine. You get what I'm saying? Don't kill something special by comparing it to all the other things. Comparison, it's a trap. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. Kills your contentment. We're supposed to be content. When we start comparing, well, now I'm not okay with what I have. Social media makes this kind of difficult. Because now we can see everybody and see what everybody's doing every day, and it makes us want to compare their vacation to my vacation or their new shiplap they just put in their house to mine or whatever. And we look at, As uh, I think it was Stephen Furtick said that uh, that we compare their behind the scenes, our behind the scenes to their highlight reel, and we're thinking, well, what they have is so much better than mine. But yeah, but you're not looking at their behind the scenes and their problems, which is what you're comparing it to. You're looking at a highlight reel. We have to know that it can be a trap. Comparison will make you feel one of two things. It'll either make you feel superior or inferior. And either way doesn't honor God. Either way is not how we as Christians are supposed to conduct ourselves. Either I can compare myself to you and say, oh man, I feel superior because I'm better than you in this area, and that's pride, and that's not God. Or I can look at you and say, "Oh my gosh, you're so much better than me in that area." You're, and, it, and that's not God either. Either way, comparison never honors God, and I want my life to honor God. Me and Zach were talking. I guess they had to leave. A bunch of people are out today, sick. And, I know Zach and Heather are gone, and I guess Joe and Hannah left too. I was going to talk about Zach. is why I was looking for him. Me and him had a conversation last week, I think, about working out and about how people get so caught up, and I told him I was really guilty of just being the best one in the room. So rather than pushing myself as hard as I could, I just make sure I did a little better than everyone else. Well, that's fine until you're around a bunch of people that aren't pushing, and then you don't push either. That's not in in my life. I don't want to be the kind of guy that just makes sure, well, I'm just going to do as good as everybody around me. Well, then, no, I need to run my race the best that I can. I want to win the prize that Paul talked about for the the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What God's called me to do. My purpose. And as I press for that, it will encourage people around me to press for their prize. Not my prize. They got a prize. You have a prize. But you're supposed to press for your prize. Look at Hebrews 12.1. Look what the writer of Hebrews says. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. We looked at that last week. Beset us is to trip us or make us weak. Sin or the weight that takes our joy, that trips us, that makes us weak. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. we got to look at Him. We have to focus on Him. Look at the prize. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So how we run our race is to stay focused on Jesus and look at Him, and then... The writer of Hebrews here tells us that that's even what Jesus did. That's how he made it through the cross. And the shame was looking forward to his purpose, to what God had for him. He looked ahead. So how do you run with patience? We saw last week that that word patience, it means consistency. How do I run my race with Consistency. And not keep falling off and slowing down and getting stuck in ditches. And I'm, how do I run my race with consistency? How do I stay in my lane and stay on course and not keep getting off way off track so that my my God GPS has to keep rerouting all the time, rerouting, rerouting, because I keep jumping off exits. I don't I don't want to waste time getting off the wrong exits. How do I run my race with consistency? Looking at him. Not looking at other people. You're not going to win a race looking over at the people beside you or behind you or looking all around you. Some of my boys uh, run track. That's the quickest way for one of them to lose is to start looking around behind them and beside them and looking at a guy coming up on. No. We have to look at him. You know how when you get down and they're about to start a race, they say, what? On your mark. Not on my mark. On your mark. You got to get on your mark. Not on my mark. On your mark, get set and go. On your mark. you got to stay in your lane. A lane has two lines. You picture that? They say sound effects keeps people engaged in your talk. So, I got you. That was my painting lines there. Welcome back to those of you that I had lost. So... (laughs) When you're staying in your lane, as Christians, we all have one line that's a universal line for Christians. To be more like Jesus. To grow up and look like our daddy. To look how Jesus lived and live like Jesus. We're all supposed to look more and more like Jesus. That's what Christianity is. It's to be Christ-like. That's the word Christians. So we all have that line. But then, a lot of us, we don't throw up our other line, so we're just... We come back to our line every once in a while. And we, you know, I got pulled over one time in Tallapoosa for swerving within my lane. That's what he said. But I didn't cross either of the lines. But he said I was swerving within my lane. Didn't he, Jesse? Oh, weaving. Excuse me, not swerving. Weaving within my lane. Never crossed the line. Oh, wow, that popped in my head. We were swerving. Oh, the other line, you all have another line. What is it that, that you do? What is your purpose? What is it that God's called you to do? That's, that should be your other line that keeps you running. You don't just have the one line to look like Jesus is it's too vague. You can get off track. You can swerve. What has he called you to do? One line is to look more like Jesus, and the second line is different for all of us. For some of us, that line says, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Right? For some of us, that line says, I'm a teacher. My lane says right now that I'm a burger flipper. My lane says that I'm a businessman. But yet, I'm going to be a businessman And I've got my other line that says, in doing that, I'm going to look more and more like Jesus every single day. So whatever your lane is right now, whatever your call is or whatever He's got you in, you're not waiting until the future one day when you can be in the ministry. No. You're in it right now. Supposed to be. Your line is wherever He's got you right now. I wish I could be used by God, but... I'm just a burger flipper. You can be used by God. In fact, you're supposed to be used by God. You're supposed to show the world in 2018 what it would look like if Jesus was flipping burgers. Oh, I wish I could be used by God, but I'm just a stay-at-home mom, and all I do is just take care of my kids all day, every day. I don't even interact with anybody else. I just sit here and it seems like I'm just making lunches all day long. Then show your kids what it would look like for Jesus to make them a lunch. That's staying in your lane. You Do it with the best of your ability. Get Hey, I could think of a couple other moms that might have felt that way. Back in the Bible, remember remember that boy that had them two fish and five loaves? And his mama probably made him lunch. I'm sick and tired of making this kid's lunch. I make this kid's lunch every single day, and i got to cut this crust off of this bread. And he's got to have two fish, and he's got to have his five loaves, and this is way too much food for this little boy. Right? And God did something crazy with it. Because the disciples beat him up and took, or he gave it. However that went down. You do what God's called you to do. Maybe one day I'll be used by God. No. God calls you and you have excuses. But I'm not ready for that. Well, but but I'm not qualified and we see it all through the Bible from Moses to all all kinds of great men in the Bible were, oh well, I got this and I can't talk and I'm weak and I'm the smallest one in my tribe and I'm we see all these excuses through the Bible and we do it too. I'm not ready, I'm not qualified, but but I'm not as talented as him or but but I can't sing like her, but 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 I'm just this, but I'm just that you will never be what God wants you to be if you keep following your butt. But 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 I can't but look at somebody and say, get over your butt. Stay in your lane and run. Get in your lane and take off. Go as fast and as hard as you can. Show the world what it looks like for Jesus to make somebody lunch. Show the world what it looks like for Jesus to go to your workplace. Show the world what it looks like for Jesus to go to Walmart. There are a lot of people in there that need him. And really everywhere you go. You know how when you're stuck in traffic, we're talking about staying in your lane. You know how when you're stuck in traffic, it, or maybe it's just me, but it always seems like the other lanes are moving faster than you? When you get over, you work your way into one of those lanes, and then the lane you were just in is like, it starts moving. Well, you talk about aggravating. That happened to me last week. I was trying to go to Douglasville and all this construction traffic, and it's like, what? That lane's just moving on. I see this 18-wheeler that comes by me, and then, like, it disappeared. On I was like, finally, I worked my way over, almost wrecked the car, trying to squeeze in between people, and I get over, and then all of a sudden, there goes that lane. Get out of your lane, you'll trip. <laughs> I say that as some comfort because a lot of times when we're in our lane, and we look around at other people, and we start the comparison, comparing myself to you. Then it looks like you're moving faster than me. Sometimes it looks like, well, why is he gaining so much ground, or why does she get all the good breaks, or why? And I'm just sitting still. I'm in my lane, and I'm just sitting here, and I'm being faithful. Sometimes it looks like the other lanes are moving faster. It's okay. Don't jump into another lane and cause all kind of damage and get out of where God has you because you just you are comparing yourself to other people in their lane. You can't jump in my lane. Well, you can, but it's not where God's called you to be. And you're not gonna win your race. Look at 1 Samuel 18. 1 Samuel 18, 5. I'm going to read this to you in the Message Bible. Y'all remember David. When David, he got anointed king, and he shows up one day, and he's still a boy. And uh, he killed the giant Goliath. It's probably the most famous story in the Bible. And King Saul offered him to stay, and he didn't have to pay taxes anymore, and he got to marry Saul's daughter, and he became the king's son-in-law. And So David and Saul are killing Philistines, and David's becoming this, this warrior. Look what this says. Chapter 18, verse 5 says, Whatever Saul gave David to do, he did it, and he did it well. So well that Saul put him in charge of his military operations. Everybody, both the people in general and Saul's servants, approved and admired David's leadership. And as they returned home after David had killed the Philistine, the women poured out of all the villages of Israel, singing and dancing, welcoming King Saul with tambourines and festive songs. And lutes, in playful frolic, the women sang, Saul kills by the thousand, and David by the ten thousand. So you got to understand what's going on here, that David's this young dude, and he's coming in, and he's turning out to be this awesome warrior that's just slaughtering their enemies, and, and, and Saul likes him. Because he's helping him win. They're getting these victories. And Saul puts him in charge of the military operations. And he's my son-in-law. And Saul lets him stay in the palace. And he's a musician. He sits around singing songs, chasing away evil spirits. Saul liked the guy. And so they're out fighting. And they're killing Philistines. And they're just, there's blood. And there's just a slaughter of the Philistines, the Bible tells us. They come back home. And as they're coming back home, David's famous. David... Ever since he killed Goliath, David's become a rock star. Because you remember how he killed Goliath with the rock. See what I did there? Rock star. Okay. So wah, wah, all right, they're coming back into the town and they're riding back in and they're all cool. And then they hear what is that? Oh, there's music, there's dancing, there's singing. They come back into the town, and they look ahead, and there's people on the sides of the street with tambourines and drums, and women are singing songs, and all the kids are wearing Air Davids. Right, and they're all doing the David. You know, they're twirling the, swing, the sling. and it's just a huge scene. David's the front page on Time Magazine, and, and, and they're rolling back into town, and as they get a little bit closer, they're like, oh, listen to that. Oh, that must be that new hit song. And David's a musician. So David probably heard it first. Oh, you hear that? Saul. Hey. Pops. You hear that beat? That's that new song that just came out. And he's like, what is it saying? Oh, I don't know. I can't hear. Do we get, do they get a little bit closer on the horses and they hear. Party like a rock. Party like a rock. Stop. Party like a rock. Party like a rock. For David, because he's the rock star, remember? And then, party like a rock. And they're all out there doing the David with their air Davids on. And then all the women step up and start singing the verse. And so Saul's starting to bob his head. Yeah, rock star. Yeah. Israel. Yeah. And then they step up and they're like, Saul killed a thousand. David, ten thousand. Saul killed a thousand. David, ten thousand. Party like a rock. Party like. And Saul's like, wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa! And for the first time, Paul, Saul, excuse me, compares himself to David. Look what the next part of that says. Look at this: Saul kills by the the thousand, and David by the ten thousand. This made Saul angry. He got mad, very angry. He took it as a personal insult. And that's one way to tell if you're caught in comparison is if somebody else gets complimented and you take it as a personal insult. If somebody else gets a promotion and you take it as an insult to you, if somebody else gets blessed and it's an insult to you, then you may be guilty of comparison or jealousy. It's a good little measuring tool. He took it as a personal insult. He said, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Before you know it, they'll be giving him the kingdom. And from that moment on, Saul kept his eye on David. He took his eye off the prize. He took his eye off the anointing. God had anointed Saul to be king. God anointed Saul to be the leader of Israel. And this is the moment. This is the moment in time where things shifted. And they went downhill and things went really bad for Saul. Because from that moment on, he put his eyes on David. And we know that he then tried to kill David and threw spears at him and chased him through the wilderness. And then because his eyes weren't on God anymore, on the anointing or on the purpose... For his life, he got so far out of his lane that he went and consulted a witch of whether to go and asking her questions because he couldn't hear from God. And he did all these things. And he ends up dying. And David takes over the kingdom. Why? Because comparison and jealousy. He couldn't get his eyes back on the prize. His eyes weren't back on God or the anointing. Comparison and jealousy... Are like running your race on a treadmill. You can put forth energy and you can sweat and you can burn and you can push as hard as you can and you can run and run and run and run and run and and you get nowhere. You're still in the same spot and you put forth so much effort and time and work and you're getting nowhere in your race. It's like just running and running and running on the treadmill. You're getting nowhere. Doesn't matter how fast you run, how hard you run, how long you run, how tired you get, you're still in the same spot because you're not in your lane. You're not running your race. You're trying to run somebody else's race or be what somebody else is supposed to be. Sometimes other people put the comparison on us. Saul didn't compare himself to David. As far as we know, they were cool up to that point. David didn't even compare himself to Saul. Hey, Saul, I killed more people than you. It wasn't even that. It was other people put that on them, on him, and then he ran with it. You ever had anybody in your life try to put comparison on you? Why can't you be more like your brother? I know I'm probably a lot of my siblings have heard that. (laughs) just kidding it's okay but it's not the way my mom makes it we'll take your mama to come on over here and make you some you know you can put comparison on other people it got put on Saul. but then he chose to keep his eyes on David. If you're looking at anyone or anything for your worth or your validation other than Jesus, you'll lose your race. You're not going to win your race. If you're looking for worth and validation from another person, from another thing, from a job, from your bank account, from whatever, you won't win your race You won't get the prize of your purpose, of what God's called you to do, the fulfillment, the peace, the joy, the hope of living your life in purpose, being all that he's called you to be. I'm a dang good Dusty. I'm good at it. I know what Dusty likes. I know what Dusty wants to eat and when he wants to eat. I know when he needs to eat. I know more about Dusty than Dusty's body knows about itself. Kind of (laughs) weird. I'm a good Dusty. I've been me for 36 years. I'm not a good Doug. Horrible. In prep for this message, I tried being a Doug for about an hour. I was horrible at it. I'm not a good Doug. I'm not a good Brad. I'm just not. There are people in my life, I look up to Pastor Bruce. He speaks into my life, and he's helped me with a lot of things and, and really poured into me, and I see him as a, as a spiritual father in my life. But guess what? I'm not a good Bruce Deal. In fact, I'm a horrible Bruce Deal. I couldn't do what he does and don't want to do what he does have no passion or desire or calling to do what he does or be who he is. But guess what? He'd be a horrible Dusty. He wouldn't be good at being me because he's not called to run in my lane. I was about to start naming differences, but that would get back out of my lane again. I'm not a good Bruce. I'm not a good Joel or Judah or Stephen Furtig. I'm not a good John Gray. Wish I was a big black guy that could preach like that sometimes, but I'm not. I can learn from all of them, I can learn from you guys. But if I start to compare myself to them, then I'm not me. If I try to start to mimic them, and, well, that's what he did, so that's what I need to do because he's doing a lot in the ministry, and I want to do a lot in the ministry, and that's what he, then, then I'm not me. I'm running in somebody else's lane. And then am I following God and my purpose, or am I following somebody else? You ever heard them say, like they'll say to a fighter, you got to get him to fight your fight. Get him to do what you're good at. Or like in a game, we got to get them to play our game. Like today, the Dallas Cowboys are here in Atlanta, going to be playing at Mercedes-Benz Stadium here in a little bit, where they will be beat by the Falcons. Uh, But guess what? The only way the Falcons are going to beat the Cowboys today is to get them to play our game. Because we're not going to be able to run the ball and stop their run game. we got to get them behind quick. we got to stop Ezekiel Elliott from running the ball and get them to throw it. Because that's how we're going to beat them. Why? Because we're good at throwing the ball. We're not good at running the ball or stopping them from running the ball. you got to get them to play your game. When you go start playing somebody else's game, it's almost a guaranteed loss for you you run in and start playing their game, when you jump over and start trying to run their lane, I guarantee you if I jump over and start trying to be Bruce Deal tomorrow, I will lose my race. You are who you are. Get good with that. Get okay with that. Don't forget about comparisons. Evil twin, jealousy, or comparison when it grows up as an adult, you know uh a lot of you most of you know that my dad pastored the church when I was a kid growing up, my dad was my pastor, and so when I was growing up, I remember sometimes that he'd be preaching and he would go on and on and on and on the messages were like so long, and he'd say things like. And in closing, and I'll end with this, or I'll close with this, and then he'd go on. And and then in closing, and I'd be like, my God, he's already closed three or four things. How many doors does this sermon have on it? Me and my brothers would be all down, crouched down beside one of the chairs, like drawing straws on who gets to go up there. God, God, please raise up a Moses to come up and say, let my people go all that stuff, you know, just on and on. <laughs> Levi was the only one to ever do it, but no, y'all notice nobody's ever seen him for a while. He's still not here. <laughs> kidding. But when I started preaching, whether it was good or bad, I got compared to my dad all the time. Good things, bad things. Man, I could preach something great. I could study for 30 hours and come up with something awesome, and then people say, you got that from his dad. I heard his dad preach the same thing. Well, we're preaching out of the same book. So is T.D. Jakes and Judah Smith and Jeremy Foster. We all preach out of the same book. So, yes, I use the same story. And he fed me for 20-something years spiritually, so it may have, yeah. Okay, but, or bad things. Yo, he's just like his daddy. The comparison, I didn't put that on me. I was just trying to be who God called me to be and be the best that I can be. Nothing good or bad about him, but other people want to put those comparisons on you. Oh, he started to preach a long time. Starting to remind me of old Robert. All right, let's get off this subject. You get what I'm saying. (laughs) Good or bad, people will compare you. You got to learn what to do with that. I was thinking about trying to, like, be other preachers for a while for y'all and just to, to get this point across, but... I just love y'all. I like to start each week with something funny. Everybody hold up your Bibles. I'm not a good Joel Osteen. I, I mean, I love hearing T.D. Jakes preach, but... Touch three people and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm not a good Bishop Jakes. <laughs> y'all ever listen to Robert Madu? Out every time he'll, he'll get into something, and he'll say, whoo. Woo! While he's preaching, y'all laugh at me. Jesse be sitting there looking all crazy at me if I started doing that. Run your race with patience. Who! y'all see that? It sounds cool when Robert does it, not when I do it. I got to be me. I'll stop with the impressions because I'm, that's not me. <laughs> as you can tell um in the Indy 500 they have some awesome race cars and i looked up some information about some of the race cars the Indy 500 has these awesome looking sleek little race cars and they sit down real low to the ground and only one person can sit in it the driver it's got one seat it doesn't have ac it don't have heat that waste too much. they got to put everything into the motor and the power of the vehicle. It can go 200 miles an hour. It can go 100 miles an hour around the curve. That thing's awesome. They're super expensive. And that's what it's got to be to win the race. Now, I have a Dodge Journey SUV sitting outside that I love it. It's a wonderful vehicle. I can fit seven people in it. It has heat. Air, it drives me around. It's got much better gasoline mileage than one of those Indy 500 race cars. But if I go take my Dodge Journey and jump on the track with those race cars, I will be a loser from now on. My Dodge Journey will be a failure. And if I hit that turn go 100 miles an hour, I will be a dead failure. Can't do it. I could never be what that race car can be in that Dodge Journey. But guess what? That race car can never take my kids to school because it only has one seat. And I could sit in that race car freeze in the winter because it don't have heat. A lot of us, I think, are Dodge Journeys looking at ND500 race cars and saying, my God, why, do I, why can't I be more like that? How do I get in that lane? Why can't I run that race? And the funny thing is, the race car might be wishing it was the Dodge Journey. Wish I got to go on vacations, take kids to school, and bring comfort to the people in my life. Maybe one day when I retire, I can be a Dodge Journey. And I'll start taking kids to school. No, you won't. You got one seat. You get what I'm saying? That's not your race. That's the wrong purpose. Remember when Jesus said to the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they started telling Jesus how people were comparing him to other people. Some say Elias, and some say you're like John the Baptist, and some say you're like Jeremiah, and so all the comparisons that they were putting on him. And Jesus is like, ah, stop. Enough with the comparisons. Who do you say that I am? And they were all like, uh, we don't even know. Nobody had anything to say until finally Peter's like, uh, Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is like, ding, 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 right answer. They even tried to throw comparisons on Jesus. Remember John and Peter, if you go read the Gospels, it looks like they were always in a competition slash comparison with each other. They were both the good buddies, the two of the closest ones to Jesus. But if you go read, they're always kind of together. And competition can be good. But it's real easy for competition to become comparison. It's okay for us to compete and make each other better and make us run faster from in our lanes. So what God's called me to do running in my lane, well, God's called Nathan to run in a lane beside mine. So his lane's headed in the same direction as mine. And it's okay for us to compete for me to push him and him to, me to see, oh, he's speaking and it'll make me run faster but i'm not supposed to jump in his lane and try to be him and he's not supposed to jump in my lane and try to be me. and so it's real easy that in competing sometimes we start comparing. that's what we have to be careful of. and so i was thinking about John and Peter and i just kind of think John was a punk because well first of all he referred to himself as the one that Jesus loved and he always he wrote the book of John and he always Spoke of himself in third person like he, and John, the one that Jesus loved. And then if you go read uh, John 20, Jesus is resurrected. The biggest news on the planet is Jesus is alive. The, the stones rolled away. Mary came and told him Jesus is alive. And John's writing down the story, and and John feels the need to tell us not once, not twice, but Three times, go read it, that he outran Peter to the grave. Oh, and Jesus was alive. But the disciple that Jesus loved, he outran Peter. (laughs) How'd that race even start? Was it like Mary's like, he's alive, the stones rolled away. And then John's like, and then they both just took off running? Well, John felt the need to let us know three times. I beat him. (laughs) And Jesus was alive and all that. What happens when you start comparing? Well, who's your favorite? We hear the disciples ask Jesus, well, who's your favorite? Who gets to sit on your right hand? Who gets to sit on your left hand? And y'all remember last week we read John 21 and read you when Peter went back fishing and the other disciples went with him and, and then Jesus showed up and, uh, and called to Peter, and he gave Peter a chance to repent and said, hey, will you feed my sheep? Do you love me? And Peter kept saying, yeah, I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. Go through that whole thing where Jesus is pretty much giving Peter his second chance. And then this awesome call, his purpose. He's giving Peter his other line. Here's your other line. Feed my sheep. This is what I want you to do. And we saw last week. Love God. And love people. Peter, can you love people? And he got emotional and all that. But then look what he did. Right after all that stuff happens, him and Jesus are there on the beach. Jesus tells him all that. And look, 21 verse 20, Then Peter, turning around, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, remember John's writing this, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper. He felt the need to throw that in too, that he was leaning on Jesus' chest because he likes me better than Peter. Was following along, trying to listen in on what Jesus was saying to Peter. And Peter looks back, saw him falling, and said, Lord, and what shall this man do? Immediately, he's worried about John. What's John going to do? What about him? You want me to love people? You want me to feed the sheep? What about him? What about John? My, my kids do that. Why do I have to take out the trash? What about Titus? What has he got to do? Well, why, why do I have to unload the dishwasher? What about him? He'd been playing video games for an hour. That's what Peter was doing after this huge emotional moment. And Jesus gives him the call. The son of the living God has risen from the dead and just gave you your purpose and your lane in which you're supposed to run. And you're like, yeah, but what about him? And meanwhile, John's following with a pen and paper writing the book of John. And then me, the awesome one that Jesus loved, was laying on his chest. And he turned and said, what about him? And he was talking about me. Now i X out that part. They'll, they'll figure that out. Okay. Look what Jesus said to him. Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. What does it matter to you what I've called him to do? What does it matter to you what his purpose is? You follow me. That sounds the same thing I tell my kids. You do what you're supposed to do. Stop worrying about him and follow me. That's what Jesus was preaching the whole time. Hey, come follow me. Hey guys, I'm the way. I'm the way, the truth, the life. Come and follow me. Get your eyes on me. Paul tells us multiple times, focus on Jesus. Remember Jesus. Look to the prize. Run your race by focusing on him and what he did. Matthew 6, 33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. And all the other things, they'll be added to you. But we spend so much time seeking and following things. Instead of seeking Him and seeking the kingdom, or our purpose in the kingdom, we spend all our time seeking things, following things. Psalms 23 tells us that if we follow the shepherd, then goodness and mercy will follow us. And we spend our time chasing after goodness, and chasing mercy, and chasing after all the things that should be following us. We follow things that, we were, that were meant to follow us. We were meant to follow God and our purpose. In our lane. And all the other stuff will follow or, as scripture says, be added. Goodness and mercy, they can follow me. All the days of my life. My feelings. They can follow me. But I will not follow them. I will not chase my giftings. But as I chase my purpose. My gifts will chase me. Remember we said before your gift will get you paid. But your purpose is why you were made. So what is the dream that God placed in your heart? Maybe it's blurry. Maybe that's because it's far away. You're not ready for it yet, or maybe you can't see it, or maybe it's just so close you can almost taste it. Maybe it's an impossible thing, like we sung about today. You can chase or run after the dream if you want to. A lot of people do. Chase the career, the fame, the goal, whatever the dream is. Or you can chase God and the dream, or can I say his dream for you, the one he placed in your heart, it'll follow. Look at 2 Corinthians 8 and I'll close. 2 Corinthians 8.10. So here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up. So go to it. And Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can. Not what you can't. Stop worrying about what you can't do. Stop worrying about what somebody else is doing that you can't do, or they got more money than you don't got this, or you don't got that. My butt, 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 I can't. Not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands. If your heart's in a good place, your works will show it. James teaches us that. If your heart's in a good place i'll be able to see it just by looking at your life looking at your fruit this isn't so others can take it easy while you sweat it out well if i take off running in my lane and they all are just going slow and I no you're shoulder to shoulder with them all the way your surplus matching their deficit and their surplus matching your deficit In the end, you come out even. Don't worry. Some of you are race cars and some of you are Dodge journeys and it's okay. Because where you lack, they got strength. And where you got strength, they're lacking. That's the beauty of a body. As it is written. So how do we do it? I think we, we need to separate in our mind what's God's and what's ours. Like every day, I think myself, I spend a lot of time worrying about things that, that aren't mine to worry about. Focusing on things or looking at people or comparing myself to things or, that's in God's category. There's a category that's mine of what I'm supposed to do in my lane headed towards my purpose taking my steps. So I, got, I wrote down these five things. In God's category is other people. You can't change other people. Stop trying. You can waste a lot of time and you can get knocked completely out of your lane trying to change somebody else. Change them into something else. Change them into whatever they're supposed to be. Compare and. No. Other people, that's God's category. Let Him do it. You know what's in your category? How you treat other people. Even if they look different or make you mad or. Or keep jumping over in your lane and denting your bumper. You can control how you treat them. Second thing in God's category is your gifts and your talents. Are what you're good at. You didn't choose that. You don't need to spend time worrying about that or trying... Guess what? Some of you can sing and some of you can't. That's God's category. A gift was given to you. Don't worry about it. He's given you what you need to run in your lane. If you can't sing, your lane's probably not a singer. It's simple, but we spend so much time worrying about stuff. Your gifts and talents, that's in God's. You know what you can do? What's in your category? Stewardship. What are you doing with what you have? Stewardship, or can we just say hard work? Make the most of what you have. Are you using it to take those steps and head to where God wants you to be? Only got five of them. Number three, God's category. Your calling. Or your story. God called you. You didn't pick it. And since we live in this world with other humans, there's a lot of your story that you may not have written. Especially the first few chapters, you didn't write. You didn't pick your parents or what happened to you or... There's a lot of things you don't pick but they're written into your story. There's death and life and good things and bad things and all this stuff that you don't write, you don't choose. It happens. There's tornadoes and storms and things that other people do to you, that's that's God's. You can't change that. You don't waste time trying to change that. It's not in your lane. You know what number 3 under your category is? Your attitude. Attitude you choose to have in every situation every day. You can choose your attitude whether you feel it or not. Fourth thing in God's category, promotion. I remind you today that God's overall authority The heart of the king is in his hand. So whether you like your boss or you can't stand your boss, or whether you like our president or you can't stand our president, or whether you like policemen or you don't like policemen, or whatever it is, God's in charge. God's ultimately in charge, and we're supposed to pray for our leaders and support them, good or bad. Their heart is in his hand. But promotion is God's. You can't worry about getting promoted or why have I not moved up in this company or why have I not gotten called or why has nobody noticed this call on my life and I feel like I've been running and why has nobody set me in this position or why is promotion, that's up to God. We got Joseph, we talked about last week. Every situation he found himself in, he just worked hard and he was diligent and he was faithful and he kept his eye on the prize. He kept his eyes on the dream. And the promotion came because people could just look at him and see it and they just, he rose to the top everywhere he went. Promotion is God's category. But yours, number four for your category, things that you can control. Your responsibilities. Remember that scripture, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. What are you responsible for? How good are you doing it? I want to be promoted. Are you doing good with what you have? Well, God, I need you to come through in this area or that area. Well, have you been faithful with what you have? Are you faithful in a little? Because then... Scripture tells us that's when he will make you steward over much. But if you've not been faithful in a little, then God would be crazy to make you steward over much. Why would he? I wouldn't. Last one. Number 5. God's category, it's your destiny, your future. You don't control your destiny, even your future. I mean, we think we get a vision and a dream of where we're headed, but stuff happens. We get tricked. We end up way far from where we thought we were going to be. We, it, sometimes the story takes a different turn, and it doesn't look like we thought. You can't control your destiny. You can plan your way, but God orders God orders your steps. Plan it out. But then step in obedience. The last one in our category, what we can control. Obedience now. You can live well. You can breathe. You can choose to obey today. You can choose to step in your lane and be you. Be who God's called you to be. Take a step. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Don't let other people's comparisons cause you to focus on another person rather than on God or what He's called you to be or who you can be. You're not me, and I'm not you. and that's a good thing. Let's pray. God, forgive us for throwing comparison on other people. God, help us to see ourselves for who we really are, who you created us to be. God, help us to paint clear lines so that we know where our lane is we stay in our lane today we refocus we fix our eyes on you we're running for the prize we're running with purpose we don't run as those that run for fun or run on a treadmill but we run with purpose we run for the prize God, thank you for the call and the purpose that you've placed on all of us. We're chasing you. And all that other stuff can follow. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.